0: Hey, Stuart, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me again. Um, so I'm excited to talk about this topic. I've actually not thought about it too much, although I did discuss it with a friend yesterday because I was mentioning how I'm discussing it with you today. So we want to talk about polygamy. And, it, and I'll say up front, I, I'm not a polygamist right now. I don't know if you want to out yourself as one or not, but we did that last time. We, we outed you as a homosexual right at the start. So I don't know if we need to label ourselves for this conversation as well to be allowed to talk
1: about it um i am not reluctant i i'm i'm not i i'm i'm actually in the minority in the gay community i think i i my partner and i are monogamous um but it was is a conscious decision Mm -hmm. um and you know it is something that we've discussed and i think it's something that certainly in today's world people should discuss Mm -hmm. yeah and
0: so it's it's top of mind for me for basically three different reasons. And that's why I was so excited to talk about it. One is, you know, hearing about Ayn Rand generally and how she did have, you know, for however many years, a sort of open relationship with her husband, um, seeing someone else. So that's been prominent in my thinking ever since I learned about that. Like, here's one example. The second is a book I've been reading at your recommendation called Detransition Baby, which isn't at about polygamy as such but it's about like you know three people raising a child together right so it's still about sort of a non-traditional coupling um i i don't i haven't finished the book so i don't know if they end up being you know sexually intimate with one another um and the third was that i i had heard an objectivist just sort of in passing talk about how they thought in a fully rational society there would be more polygamy And so that's just interesting that that piqued my interest generally. I've only brought it up to the one friend uh, yesterday and she was very skeptical of this, right? Almost offended. Um, And there seems to be an inherent, um, yeah, people are like indignant almost at the the very idea of polygamy, whereas I'm very open to it and I I can see some of the benefits of it, but I'm interested in your sort of framing and initial thoughts on it.
1: Well, I think... um we should be careful in in our terms polygamy i think means you know multiple marriages and i think that that is you know something possibly to discuss in terms of the legal ramifications but i th- i suspect more what you want to talk about is really polyamory so you know having romantic relationships not necessarily marriage with okay. you know, more than one person at a time um and both are are certainly very controversial in general i think because Mm -hmm. uh you know in the past in the church you know uh, except i guess for the mormon church but uh most of the churches it's been the default assumption you get married and that it's it's right there in the vows you know Mm -hmm. you forsake all others um but i think and 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 i think still i I appreciate
0: that clarification because i didn't know there was sort of different terms and for me the average person is more concerned with polyamory than polygamy the average person isn't indignant about some sort of potential legal ramification right because if you're talking right. about marriage and whether or not polygamy should be legal right every other aspect would be polyamory at its essence in terms of what you know sort of rubs people the wrong way so right. i think we can sort of bracket for now the legal uh, ramifications of polygamy because any other respect with any other part of polygamy that would be upsetting would probably upsetting to some or be worth discussing would probably have some degree of o-
1: overlap with polyamory anyway yeah oh definitely yeah um and I, again this i think is it tends to be a bit generational um older people you know grew up in a more traditional time and i think are, are often still Bound by those kind of traditional notions, although, like you said, Ayn Rand herself wasn't. But I, th- but I think most people, even most objectivists, are still. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in general, younger people are maybe a little more open to, you know, questioning whether things are that way because it makes sense, or are that way just because it's tradition. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, and and for me, it's you know, I I used to think for certain I would want monogamy because. Uh, or is it, it's not monogamy then, if there's polyamory, what's the single part? Because um, monogamy would be about marriage. Yeah, m- monoag.
1: I can't even say it. <laughs> I think but, people tend to use monogamy and polyamory okay, together, so, even though maybe they shouldn't. Okay, so yeah,
0: so I had always assumed and thought monogamy was sort of the only option for me. And certainly, I, I, I suppose it's sort of a stereotype of many people. The idea of my partner having other partners is much more upsetting than the idea of me having multiple partners, right? But what I was talking, uh, what I was thinking about and, t- and talking about recently was the idea of, well, no, it would only really work, in my opinion, if it was three people who all loved each other totally, right? right. And it's like what, and it's really about, well, what is the nature of love, and why is it that you could only love one person, right? There are some sort of like, you know, stereotypical examples of when someone could, quote, rationally love two people. And it's like, oh, the husband's off to war and they think he's dead and they fall in love again. But like, I don't think that's necessarily the only valid case, Um, but it seems to be really confusing to people. And, and, you know, people have this view. It's almost like a betrayal of whoever you would have met first to then want a second or like, oh, they're not enough or something like
1: that. Yeah. Um, well, I think, you know, the reality is when you look at the the data, most people aren't very good at monogamy. You know, the t- cheating is rampant, both men and women. Um, so I think that it makes sense to, you know, really honestly examine yourself and talk to your partner and, Decide what makes sense, and not just go with, you know. Well, we got married, so you know we have to only ever be with each other. Um, So I, although like I said, my partner and I are monogamous. I I I'm not one of those people that thinks, oh, you know, polyamory can't work. I, I I don't think it can work for us. I don't think everyone is the same, and obviously you'd need to decide for yourself. But I mean, I've seen firsthand objectivists and other, other people who seem to navigate it, who seem to have, um, I know this one person who is bisexual and she has a husband and she has a boyfriend and she has a girlfriend. I'm like, that seems like an awful lot to juggle. I, you know, I don't know how you even find the time, but if you do and everybody is, you know, it's all above board, nothing, nobody's running around hiding anything. Um, as long as everybody's, honest, I, you know, I, I think it's worth considering when, so
0: the, the view that I think many people would have, and and I can't help, but having as well right now is, well, no, someone must be unhappy in that situation. Right. Then they, like people often will rationalize, oh, well, I really love this woman. So I'm going to put up with this, even though I don't want it. And that can be full, that can be rational. That can make sense if they are such an important value, but it's it I can't help but having it irk me, right? It it seems like it would be very hard to accomplish. And it doesn't seem like there would be a proper sort of, does it have to be sort of like an equal four person dynamic in that situation? Or each person just has to accept the sort of, that they have a third of the person they love, so to speak, right? Like, because I think there's this romantic idea of like, and that I definitely have of like, you know, a, a soul union with my partner, right? And then is it really a soul union if they also have that with someone else? And mm-hmm. and I would be like, for me, I would only think it would be possible if somehow it was like a three-way relationship, not, you know, a few different one-to-ones and that like some people yeah. accept it and some people don't. I. But again, that's just how I think it could theoretically work for me, not to say that other situations wouldn't work for others. But again, I, I can't help but think this wouldn't work. This this doesn't seem like it would work. Um, if you if you'd be comfortable to talk a little bit about why why wouldn't it work for you? Um, because, you know, it's it's obviously a consideration.
1: Yeah, Um I I hope my partner doesn't mind me talking about it. Um we can cut this re- <laughs> out if, if they see it in well mind. I mean he knows what I'm discussing, although he doesn't I mean the topic, he doesn't know I guess how personal I'll get. Um for us, I mean we, we are attracted to different people. You know, he looks he's a very different physical build than I am. I you know, so finding someone that we were both attracted to right off the bat, that would probably be hard. Um, and then there's, you know, okay, so if we're all in bed, you know, together, it, it just seems like inevitable that somebody's going to feel like, you know, th- that this third person is going to be more attracted to one of us than the other, that it's going to create tension in the relationship. It just, when we thought about it real, you know initially it's like oh you know f- fantasy we you know this gorgeous guy who is attracted to both of us is going to come and we'll, we'll just romp around yeah. but then when we thought about it, it's like okay well gorgeous for you or gorgeous for me and right. <laughs> and really the chances that he's going to find both of us when we're so different physically he's going to find both of us equally attractive and yeah it just seemed like it was way more complicated than we wanted to deal with.
0: Right. And and it seems to me like that is how it would almost necessarily have to be. The, the odds of finding some third person who's totally equally attracted to two people seems very difficult. And that's why I think there's general skepticism, right? To, yeah. like, a lot of people, it's attractive in theory, but if you yeah. actually try and apply it, it might not work, or it probably it probably wouldn't work. And yet there's still an allure of it. Right. So I think, again, it's hard to imagine it. People wouldn't sort of rationalize to, to test it out. And then it's also, you know, what if you find the third person more attractive in the moment or give them more attention in the moment. Right. Right.
1: And I think there is always the danger of, you know, one of us falling in love with this third person and, you know, then the, the primary relationship is all thrown out of whack and, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of factors, which is, it is complicated and that's why we decided not to do it. Um, but I do know, um, I don't know them well, but I, I, I knew this one uh, triad, thruple, I don't know, what they, <laughs> there's different terms, but it was three gay men and they lived together and were in a, a what seemed to be a happy relationship for like 15 years and then, I don't know exactly what went wrong, but something you know did, and they they all went their separate ways. Mm-hmm. But you know, fifteen years is a pretty respectable amount of time for a relationship. Um, so I, you know, I think it can. I, I think that it just inherently, interactions between three people are going to be more complex, more fraught. I mean, it's a couple coupling is hard enough. I mean, it's uh, there's a lot of couple dynamics to work through. And when you add another person, I think it just ups that level of uh, complexity and things that can go wrong. Um, One
0: thing that I noticed in my own thinking, when you mentioned this relationship ending, even if it lasted 15 years, is there would definitely be sort of, I don't know what the right term is, but some sort of bias because, oh, like I can't help. Oh, well, of course it ended. Even if it lasted 15 years, it must've ended because it was polyamory, right? Not like oh, it ended because relationships end and they're complex. So I I would assume that many people have a similar reaction if there is any attempt at polyamory and it isn't lifelong successful from an external point of view, the blame would be on the polyamory, which is interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I think that brings up a wider point, which we probably don't wanna get into now, but I've always thought it's interesting that people, and me included, uh, tend to think of any relationship that ends as a failure. And I, do, I don't think that that's actually true. I, I think some relationships just people grow, they change, the relationships run its course. Uh, but it doesn't mean that it should never have happened or that that it was a failure.
0: Right. I, yeah, I think that that is a good point. And, and perhaps we can talk about that in another episode as right. well. Right. Different topic. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, the one thing that I suppose almost caught me off guard when, when you were discussing um what in your last uh, segment um, was that because to me, polyamory and if I were to consider it, it would only be if I was actually in love with both, not sort of um, not just sort of for uh, physical intimacy or living together. Like I would only want it. I think if it was like, you know, I was in love with both of them and somehow either they were okay with it or they also had some degree of love for one another as well. because I think it's interesting, again, that connects to sort of the broader view of like sex and pleasure as such and people viewing that in and of itself as potentially uh, wrong or bad. But to me, it's like I would, on, I would only really see it. And I, maybe that's why I brought up polygamy in my term as well, because right. for, to me, it would only be if it was sort of that type of relationship, like an actual loving um, right. and sort of at least an attempt at a lifelong uh, throupling
1: yeah um, i think that's unusual um, i mean there are definitely are people that are that are doing that but i think uh for a lot of couples it's more about uh you know finding a third person that they both like but but that's kind of a, a sexual you know distraction or something to kind of spice things up after, after many years together mm. um, I, I mean, it, I I think there's a lot of different options out there. Um, I'll bring up another because uh, because this one um, does seem to be working, although it's still only a couple years old, I guess. But uh, a friend of mine, a straight guy, he is uh, now living with a woman who is married to someone else, another guy, and um, everybody is fine. I mean, he he they live the other guy lives in a different city, but um, you know, she's married to him. She visits him, she has sex with him. uh, And then she comes back to my friend and they have their life. Um, And that seems to be working well for everyone. He's not interested in having kind of a full-time wife. He's, I guess, I guess he's got kind of a low sex drive and you know, this is, this suits Mm -hmm. him. Um, And uh, for my friend, he uh, had been married and uh, his wife cheated on him and he, he really went through a hard time. And I think did not think he would ever get in a relationship again. And part of what appealed to him was this woman is not ever going to lie to him because the whole deal is she's a free agent. She can, Mm -hmm. you know, she's got her husband, she sleeps with. And if there's somebody else, it's all open. And, and he's, you know, welcome to do that as well. Although I don't think he, has but um you know it's actually been very liberating for him because like I don't worry about her cheating that's mm. it's it's not a thing anymore
0: yeah so that's that's really interesting and it highlights sort of uh, I, I guess a bias I I've yet to be able to root out of my head because to me I can't help but get away from the very even in my view of polyamory it's very sort of typical, let's say, right? It's not that someone could want uh, something other than, you know, the stereotypical wife, right? Whereas, whereas this friend, he clearly wants something else that he judges for his life is the best thing. But I think most people or many people would dismiss that as problematic. He must have some sort of issues. What do you mean he wants to be with someone who's with someone else? And this sort of thing, there's this sort of lack of recognition that there are so many different values people can have so many different ways they want to live their life. Whereas we still, and I still, even in this framing, I'm trying to fit everyone in like a square hole or or whatever the phrase is. Right. So it's really interesting that there are so many ways someone can live their full life. Um, And I guess polyamory is sort of the, a broad framing through which we can talk about this generally. Um, Exactly.
1: Yeah.
0: Which, yeah. So it's, it's very interesting because, yeah, again, I even if I were to have like you know uh, a polyamorous relationship, to me it's still like, oh no, I need to be like totally in love with both of them, and like somehow it works out magically because like, and I've not been able to sort of think deeply about know exactly what I, what would I need to satisfy my life, right? And it seems like um, I, I would assume most people I would talk to about it, most of my peers. Are are uncomfortable at the very topic of it, right? Because yeah, it's also it's like almost threatening to them that it it threatens their view of the type of relationship they'd want to have eventually, which is still this sort of stereotype that's really the stereotype of what uh what a healthy relationship is, and totally yeah. disregards the the complexity of an individual human's life.
1: Exactly. Yeah, um, I think it's. Uh... And there's definitely, um, going back to something you said earlier, I mean, I think there's definitely a danger of one partner, uh, often usually, I think the woman, sort of being pushed into something that they're really not happy with, not comfortable with, because the other person wants it and they don't want to lose this person that's a value to them. Mm. But I think I think you're right that there's a lot of cases where both people are not equally on board, and mm-hmm. I think that is what that is what ends up being so problematic. And unfortunately, I think f- from the bit that I've read, I think that uh, Frank O'Connor, Ayn Rand's husband, was not thrilled <laughs> with the arrangement, even though uh, it was all completely above board. That, you know, mm-hmm. there was no deception. I and and you know, and he and Nathaniel were friends, but from what I understand, he you know, it did not make him happy that this was happening.
0: And, and that actually leads me to, to sort of what I understand is, was the essence of why Ayn Rand wanted a second partner. And, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this generally is like sort of the soul having different needs right? So the idea was that Frank met her emotional needs, her sort of sense of life, soulful needs, but not her intellectual needs. He wasn't her intellectual equal. And I've thought about that as well. Will I find someone who both satisfies my intense intellectual needs and my emotional needs? I've not found many people in my life as friends even who can satisfy both to some degree. And so like, is there sort of, You know, I'm interested um, in like, yeah, is it is it for people who are polyamorous or or when I think about it, when you think about it, is it sort of like, oh, each of these people meets a different one of my needs rather than, oh, they all meet some of my needs or like, you know, each gives me 50 percent of all of my needs sort of thing, (laughs) because to me, it's more naturally seems like, oh, no, this person meets need X this one meets need why, it wouldn't yeah. be sort of evenly spread.
1: Yeah, I I would think that that's the case. Um, but you know, I think one of the things that uh, I've realized is, as I've gotten older is that it's, you know, you don't necessarily need your romantic partner to fill every need. You know, mm-hmm. that's, you, you can have friends in, in, you know, in our case, it's not, other romantic partners, but I mean, I have a best friend and I have other friends I have. You know, my partner is very, very smart and, and we're on the same page intellectually a lot, but he's not an objectivist. He He's, you know, he's read some, but he's, you know he can't have the level of uh, philosophical discourse on objectivism that I could have with you or with somebody, you know, with, with some of my objectivist friends. And that's fine, you know, I, I, I think it's a mistake to think that a romantic partner has to, you know, be your everything and fulfill every need. I, I, I don't think that's true.
0: And, and that sort of, I think, gets us to the, the central issue in, in a discussion of poly, polyamory and especially sort of people's skepticism of it is the only need that would have to be met by a partner, let's say, would be a sexual need right? Like, that's the only thing that really necessarily distinguishes your closest best friend from your partner. Like, and so then that is what makes people skeptical, I think of, well, why would you need two people to meet that need? Maybe the person you're with initially just doesn't meet it. And for some reason, you want to cling to that relationship, right? Because that's where it sort of gets complex to me is, okay, if there's no I mean, there is something, uh, you know, it is a difference of, of kind, not just degree like friendship and romantic love, but the, the only sort of clear cut essential difference is sexual intimacy, which is then what makes it, I think, confusing and, and difficult to sort of know and pinpoint that, that need for polyamory or that desire for polyamory.
1: Yeah. Well, um, You know, I think different people do have different needs, even sexually. Um, And for some people, I I mean, I'm just going by what they say, you know, they can be fully, fully, you know, in love with their partner, but, you know, just biologically after a few years, you know, the, the novelty wears off and, you know, passion subsides and some people, you know, that's a huge deal for them and they really feel like they need to find a, you know, a, a unique uh, or new sexual outlet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, other couples f- figure out ways to spice it up and, you know, get into BDSM or whatever and, you know, stay, stay monogamous. Um, but, you know, there's, I think the wrong thing to do and which way too many people end up doing is, you know, they say they're in love with their wife, but then they, you know, Jeez. screw around with their secretary or whatever. It's like mm. eh, that's that is not a viable solution to this. Whereas mm. I think polyamory, I mean, I like you said, I think it's problematic, but I don't think it's necessarily I, I don't think it's wrong. I don't think it's it I don't think there's anything inherent in it that can't work. I just think it's it's difficult.
0: Right. And and just because it's difficult doesn't mean it's impossible. Right. And it, and there's lots of difficult things people do and and accomplish and thrive with. Right. Exactly. Um,
1: Yeah.
0: One thing that comes to mind for me is like, until this conversation I had only really thought of polyamory in terms of if I had unmet emotional needs and I would want to be very clear um, with partners if I was pursuing uh, a polyamorous relationship, but it's interesting because reflecting on myself now, like I could see a situation because of sort of, because of my gender identity and because of things with my own sexuality, I could fall in love with someone that I'm not able to meet all of their sexual needs. That's something mm. I have to very much struggle and, and learn to understand now. And so from, from that sort of, I, I don't think personally I'd be able to, I, I think I'd struggle very hard to accept if I didn't meet someone's emotional needs. But I could understand if I don't meet their sexual needs and if I really love them, I I, right now I've not thought deeply about it, but I would be open to, if needed, allowing them or having them, you know, find the have those needs met elsewhere, Um, which is difficult to admit, especially sort of on the spot without thought, but (laughs) it seems true, right, I have to accept that, um, that I have sort of atypical sexual desires and, and if if someone I'm with would needs to supplement me, so to speak, that's probably the wrong term. You know, that's something I would have to
1: think about. Uh, you yeah. know, fully. Well, and you know, I don't know the details, obviously, of your sexual needs, but um, one of my uh, trans friends, um, an objectivist that I uh, got knew many years ago as a man and became reacquainted with later. Um, uh, she is in a polyamorous relationship. She's She considers herself a lesbian. She really is emotionally attracted. She, she says she only falls in love with women. But sexually, she really likes what men can do for her. So, you know, she has male partners Then she says, you know, there's just nothing there emotionally. I don't, I don't, I'm not emotionally attracted to them, mm. but sexually they do something for her that her female partners don't. Mm. So, you know, again, is I, I'm, I think that would be really challenging for the, everyone really involved, but, um, but she, you know, she seems to be making it work. So,
0: right. And I, and, and two sort of central things come to mind. One is a lot of this would be easier for us to talk about easier for individuals to navigate. If our culture had an ability to talk about sex pleasure openly and properly, right? right. It's so closed off. It's so taboo. That to even talk about what someone's sexual needs are, what someone's intimate needs are. It, it, it's impossible almost, right? So how do we actually talk to your friend about her needs or anyone generally how do they know how to navigate this when we can't talk about this stuff openly and also because of that that sort of also leads to this psychologizing of people right again that people's psychologies people's sexual psychologies are so complex but i'm assuming many people will say oh well you know that means and I, i would assume a lot of objectivists in particular would say oh well that means you know she's divorcing sex from emotion, which is an issue and, and these sorts of things as well, but it's, it's so complex and we're not allowed to discuss it at all. So it's like, how do we even start to have these conversations and understand the complexity and understand, no, there probably are good approaches and rational ways to have someone's fully all of someone's complex needs met. Um, but again it's like the most taboo thing i think
1: it's it is it, uh, yeah like you said most people just can't even begin to discuss it and mm-hmm.
0: yeah and, and so i think in particular uh, like it it would be interesting or it will be interesting for me to see over the next you know 10 years as hopefully the conversation around sex does open up to see how much How many people actually are open to more sort of sexual exploration and this sort of thing? Because I would assume a lot of people follow the traditional path because it's the traditional path and they don't even know how, what their own desires would be, right? They like, it's, it's, it's a totally unexplored territory for many people and they might not even know how sort of
1: unsatisfied they are, right? Absolutely. I think, um, I mean I'm surprised sometimes in this day and age, but I'll I'll run across people that, you know, gay men who got married and had kids and they're like, you know, I just I I didn't even know how unhappy I was with the sex. I was, you know, I loved this woman and you know, that was what that's what I was told I was supposed to be doing. And um it it's only, you know, many years later that they realize, oh yeah, that That wasn't at all sexually fulfilling. Um, And and even in even in today's
0: culture, which is at least more, I mean, not about healthy sexual relationships, but it's definitely more open to sort of promiscuity for for my generation. (laughs) But the very first episode of this show I did with my friend Casey, and we talked about how both of us are very intelligent, inquisitive people. And it took us till age like 24 each to realize that we had not enjoyed sex at all because we didn't know we we weren't able to talk about it. She shares a story like she was talking to some like stranger she met while traveling, talking about her sexual history. And they were like, you know, you're supposed to like actually enjoy it. It's supposed to feel good. And it was it was like, how did I not know this? But like, she didn't know it. Right. And I've had similar experiences, like just total ignorance um, until like into adulthood. And so I can't even imagine how much difficult it would be 20, 30 years ago, right? People have their one or two sexual partners. It's all subpar at best. And they, and they have no idea what they're even aiming at um, because it's so taboo. Like, and even I think I could be wrong, but I know, especially in my male relationships, it's not like we talk about sex openly and properly about enjoyment and these sorts of things. You know, the stereotype from, from movies is that women do it a little more, um, like talk about it with one another a little more, but how, how would I know? How would I know if my experience <laughs> isn't normal or isn't satisfying if it's the only one I've ever had?
1: Right, and if you're not comfortable talking about it, it- which most people aren't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I think I think most straight men feel like you know if they're going to talk about it they need to you know yeah you need to exactly you, you basically need to beat your chest about it and oh you know I had this conquest or you know but to actually like be vulnerable and say you know hey yeah I'm having a problem with whatever premature ejaculation or just or just not enjoying it enough for Feeling like, yeah, I mean, people just don't don't talk about this stuff.
0: Well, do you have any last thoughts on polyamory? We we didn't get to polygamy, but that's a whole other. Uh, that's more the the legal aspect. <laughs> yeah, of that's I, I don't I know that people are that interested. About.
1: Yeah, I mean that it, it's somewhat interesting, but uh, yeah, no, I think polyamory is the much more exciting question. Um, I you know I would say that, you know, people shouldn't feel like. They have to explore it if it's not something that is right for them or that, you know, they're comfortable with. But I, I think it's a mistake to just fall into monogamy because, well, that's what people do, you know, you, mm. that, that's, that's what society expects. Um, I think you really need to examine what's, what are your needs, what, you know, what's going to make you happy. And uh, you know, it's not always easy to figure it out.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, the essence of any healthy relationship is an openness for both people to achieve their fullest happiness, right? Like, I think that's really important. And as complex as that could be, um, you know, I think that is the root of a healthy relationship with yourself or with a partner. And so polyamory is just a very, an admittedly, extremely complex aspect of that. But I think if, if, you know, if, if we're concerned with how each individual can live the happiest life possible. I agree that it it seems um, it seems silly to me to use a poor term. It seems silly to me to dismiss it outright. I don't see a reason to not consider it um, yeah. other than tradition, which isn't uh, isn't a valid reason.
1: <laughs> yeah, not a valid reason exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Stuart. This was really great, um, and I look forward to uh, many more engaging conversations
1: with you. Great. Thank you.